Welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where we're speaking with one of the holiest, most courageous and outspoken bishops in the world. His name is Athanasius Schneider. He is the Auxiliary Bishop of Astana in Kazakhstan, and we'll be speaking to him about the coronavirus, the deprivation of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for the faithful, whether priests should obey their bishops' orders to deny the sacraments to the faithful, and whether Bishop Schneider sees this pandemic as a chastisement from God connected to the warnings of Our Lady of Fatima in 1917. You're going to want to stay tuned. Just before we start, let me remind you to please like and share this video and to hit the subscribe button below. Click on the bell so that you'll be notified whenever we release new episodes and also to let you know that the only way we can do this is with your generous support. So please consider giving us a donation at give.lifesitenews.com. This time we'll begin with a short prayer from Bishop Schneider, Your Excellency, if you would please. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. Pater noster, qui es in celis sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cielo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum, benedicta tui mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop Schneider. Let me first say thank you on behalf of the many, many Catholics around the world who are hungry for spiritual leadership. And although you are an auxiliary bishop in Astaza, Kazakhstan, they have in you the great gift of spiritual leadership from afar. Your recent book, Christi Vincit, where you were interviewed by former LifeSite correspondent Diane Montagna, is outstanding and people have marveled at it. Um, we will talk about that too, but I wanted to first get your impression of what is happening right now with the coronavirus crisis, which has left Catholics around the world stuns, having, stunned, having been deprived of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, even throughout Easter. Uh, the situation with the coronavirus, it is uh, in the history at such an extent uh, because it was for the first time since the persecution of the Christians in the first centuries in the Roman pagan empire, that almost all over the world, uh, this, uh, the public worship uh, uh, was stopped. And especially on Easter, it is very significant. And to my opinion, it has also a deep spiritual meaning. This is uh, all my, uh, so when we observe from the side this phenomenon, and this could be um, an appeal of God, 
an intervention. To my opinion, it is an intervention, a divine intervention, uh, not only uh, for the world to awaken the people, uh, but also for the church. For me, it is first uh, for the church to awaken, to be most uh, more serious in these moments when we are deprived, almost all Catholics all over the world, of Holy Mass and the sacraments. It is a divine appeal to the priests, to the bishops, to the Pope, uh, to reflect, uh, to repent, to ask forgiveness of God for all the sins which were committed in the last decades inside the church, but especially those sins which were committed in connection with the sacraments and especially the Holy Mass, the Eucharist, the Holy Communion. And now almost all are deprived from Holy Communion. And so maybe God says, you have outraged me. You have trampled me by feet 50 years in the churches. And now you have God uh, uh, had taken away these for a moment, of course. And this is sometimes God did this in the history of salvation uh, to admonish his people, his children. And so it is a judgment of God, a punishment, but a punishment of a loving father who, want, who wants uh, to awaken his children, who wants uh, to that their children come closer to him through these extraordinary signs and uh, to repent and also to have a deeper esteem of the sacraments, especially of the Holy Mass. This is for me a first um, observation of all these uh, sad uh, situation uh, caused by the so-called coronavirus epidemic. This is something of a difficult concept, I'd say, because if it is a chastisement, a, a warning from the Lord, as, as you said, a, a loving warning, then if there is no repentance, which there doesn't really seem to be at this point, particularly in the areas that you mentioned regarding the church, because of the the mistreatment of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, the, the reception of Holy Communion in the hand, which leads to the trampling upon Jesus in the various particles left over on people's hands, and therefore blushed, brushed onto the floor, as you were mentioning. So, if it is a chastisement or the loving warning from the Lord, will it end if there's no repentance? And it surely doesn't seem right now to uh, repentance is happening. Yes, I'm agreeing with you because um, even our Lord speaks in the gospel to his uh, people, um, saying to them that you had not recognized the visitation of God when he spoke to Jerusalem and he was weeping about Jerusalem and saying you will be destroyed by the enemies because you have not 
recognized the signs which God gave you. This, all, this for me, a free translation of what our Lord said, but this is the meaning. And so this is now the, um, the chance uh, for the church, for the Pope, for the bishops, for the faithful, uh, to make acts of repentance, of uh, expiation, reparation, public reparation for all the sins firstly committed against our Lord in the most blessed sacrament and, and then against the, uh, the commandments. I would say the first commandment, you, have, you shall not have other gods. So all these sins which were committed in the church against the first commandment, for example, Recently, also, we have known last years, last year, and uh, and so we have to uh, ask uh, the bishops, the priests. We can we can start with acts of reparation. Why not uh, individually, then in a family, and hopefully when this lockdown will be ended then also publicly in the churches and make processions. But I think we have to ask the Holy Father to pray that God may illuminate him, that he himself will give an example to make acts of reparation together with the cardinals publicly, first for the sins and for the mistreatment, outrages against our Lord in the Eucharist, which were committed inside the church. And as I repeat, and then against other uh, sins, but also uh, the Pope and the bishops and the priests have to make also public acts of reparation for the um, extreme crime, extremely great crimes of the humanity of our age, which is the most horrible crime the abortion, the killing of innocent children in the womb of their mothers. These we have to do also our reparation public. And, um, and then also the, the, the sins against the Sixth Commandment, specifically the sins against holy uh, matrimony, marriage. These are only, for example, concrete acts. We have to do this. Absolutely. One of the things that's that's most shocking or, or upsetting, if you will, for Catholics is that the Pope has indeed spoken about coronavirus, but he spoke of it not as a chastisement from God, but as a, a response of the earth, he said. He's, he's in fact said something like this now four times. Um, most recently on Earth Day, April 22nd, he spoke of the virus as... Earth's response for our having failed to look after the environment, a kind of a revenge or punishment of the Earth for failing to address climate change, is what he said at another time. Well, the Pope, when he spoke this, he did not spoke this ex cathedra as an infallible judgment. So, uh, and this is concerning the climate and the earth, these are temporal realities. So he, he in this, 
issues the Pope can uh, commit errors. And this is legitimate that we can say uh, with respect, most holy father, we think this is an error. And, uh, and present uh, the arguments most deeper. We have to look all the uh, events, specifically very um, important and grievous um, events in the history as today and now we are experiencing and living through, always also in a supernatural view. And so the Pope has to have firstly a supernatural view, as our Lord Jesus Christ always did, a supernatural view, the apostles, the great saints, the prophets, so in this way. But at least we, we have one thing common. At least the Pope speaks of punishment, chastisement, but in another way. But from, from the earth, maybe. But I'm not agreeing with this. But the true sign of warning, this is the meaning of chastisement and punishment from God. This is a warning of the loving Father to repent. This is should be for a person who sees and looks at the events from a supernatural point of view. This should be very clear and evident. Well, one of the great hardships is that people are deprived of the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And what has been happening all over the world is that priests have been forbidden by their bishops even to offer private celebration of the Mass for their parishioners. So, uh, there's all sorts of ways to do it safely, according to the regulations, similar to those used in grocery stores. People six feet apart, perhaps wearing a mask. They, they could easily be done in churches, but it's being forbidden in most places. Now, you've said in a previous interview that such demands from bishops are not legitimate and that priests can ignore them. Please explain that. Yes, this is an, an obvious abuse of authority, abuse of his powers. Never did God give to a bishop the, the authority, the power, to forbid celebrating Mass. Of course, observing all due uh, health, uh, safe, health safety measures, protection, this is of course obvious, but he cannot uh, um, just prohibit celebration of Mass. This is an abuse of power. And in the times of the plague, and the epidemic in the Middle Ages and even in the 16th century, uh, Saint Charles Borromeo in Milan, he obliged the priests to celebrate Mass and to ask God through the celebration of Mass forgiveness for the sins which were committed because the plague Saint Charles considered as a chastisement is a warning of God. And so he asked the priest to celebrate the Mass. And even so, he closed uh, for a time the big churches to, to protect people from the contagion of the plague, which was a very 
more dangerous than the coronavirus because in the plague, the mortality rate was un until 90% sometimes. This is this is it's no comparison with coronavirus. I mean, but even so, St. Charles Borromeo, Cardinal Borromeo, he uh, ordered that the priests should celebrate holy masses in public squares, public places, on the streets, on the corner of the streets, to multiply masses so that people could assist from their windows, open windows, from the doors. And so this was, uh, even so, in those times, the plague, it was more dangerous and more contagious than our coronavirus. So this is no comparison. And therefore, um, these priests, uh, when the bishop forbids them even to celebrate private mass and to give sacraments to dying persons and to sick persons, in these cases, the priest has not to obey the bishop because we have to obey first God. And in this case, this bishop is committing a, gr a grievous sin of abuse of his powers. So, in this case, we have many priests wondering what they can do now. Their bishops are permitting them to celebrate private masses, but only themselves, without any of the faithful at all. Uh, and not only that, but also not to go to the homes of parishioners to offer private masses there. Um, nor even, in, mo in most cases, to have outdoor masses with the public safe distances apart. And so, I, I want to be clear that we're, we're talking about orders from bishops like that, can they be disregarded by a priest? Well, it depends on the places and on the laws of the government, of the civil authorities. If the civil authorities permit, I don't know, in different countries, we have to check this, but if there is... Most of them are permitted to, to have grocery stores open, liquor stores open. If, if there is, uh, for example, not forbidden that you can visit a family, why not to celebrate their mass when it is not forbidden by the government? So the bishop should, on the contrary, be happy that priests are in some way creative and have a, a zeal for the faithful and try to find a creative solution in some way still not contra contradicting and not infringing the laws of the state. This is one of the areas that has become very difficult because laws in many places have actually followed that the bishops have done or not done, what the bishops have done or not done. Because um, you have grocery, beer, and liquor stores open because they are deemed essential services. Yet it appears that the bishops have not insisted with the government that the holy sacrifice of the mass is an essential service. So people are allowed to go to a grocery store while not being allowed to go to mass, even though, particularly at daily masses, there would often be many fewer people uh, in the mass than at a grocery store. 
Yes. In this case, I think this was, uh, in some cases, uh, an grievous omission on the part of some bishops, because the bishops and the bishops' conferences and even the Holy See should insist in the governments to give to the churches at least the same rights and chances as they give to the stores or where people can buy um, food. So, the same um, prescriptions, if people can go to the stores and, and to buy something, so the same way they can go to the church, observing the same uh, health protection measures. And so this should, should have been the, the method of the bishops and the Holy See to insist upon them. Otherwise, if the, the government um, denies the church the same rights as they give to a store, then this is discrimination of the religion, evidently, in a kind of um, implicit persecution of the church. And this is the, uh, what we are witnessing. It is going on with this on the pretext of the coronavirus epidemic. So many governments are carrying on an implicit persecution of the Christians, of the church. So just a couple of days ago, there came an announcement from England that this extreme social distancing will be extended till after Christmas, which would mean a year or more without the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It is uh, evident by these measures, this is completely against every reasonableness of proportionality. It is evident, this is, there is no proportionality because the coronavirus epidemic is, it's not, it has not so heavy um, mortality. And with, with good protection health measures, we can have um, uh, worship in churches. Now, in Germany and in Austria, next month in May, they will slowly open the churches and give the permission to, in, in Berlin, for example, uh, from the beginning of May, they will be allowed public worship uh, for a number of 50 persons, for example. In other places, 15, but at least. So, in this way, uh, the measures which you mentioned, mentioned for Great Britain, England, it is completely against every uh, proportionality. And it's revealing himself, itself, to be a kind of discrimination and persecution of the church. So it could be that we, will, we are going to a time of the catacombs, the church, a kind of underground church, but we have not to be um, fearful, we have to be courageous. And because the church has a long 
and good experience to be a catacomb church, to be an underground church. And in those times of catacombs, God gave plenty of spiritual fruits for the renewal of the church. Maybe it is a visitation of the church, an intervention to purify the church through a persecution. To my opinion, that could otherwise, the church could not be purified and awakened in our time because the confusion, the heresies in doctrine, in morals, in liturgy were so widespread and so deep penetrated in the life of the church that to my opinion that should be a very strong intervention by divine providence to awaken the church and maybe the, the persecution, the kind of persecution, a kind of time of catacombs would be good for the church also. But in any case, it is the Lord who has all in his hands. It is the Lord who will determine the time of the catacombs, the time of the persecution, not the governments. Christ is the head, Christ is the king, Christ is the ruler of the world. And so we have to be, we have to have this trust, this hope, and to live even in this difficult situation, our Christian faith uh, with uh, joy, because Christ is risen, Christ is the winner. And to uh, strengthen now in this situation the family, because now we are forced almost all over the world to be in, at home, to, so to develop the, the, the um, virtues of the family, to transmit the faith in family to be domestic churches. You've had a lot of experience with that. And in your book, Christus Vincit, which, by the way, I encourage everyone to get a copy of, which has, it's had much, much praise from around the world, but there's a specific reason why it's important right now to get the book Christus Vincit uh, by Bishop Schneider. Because if they get it, and they haven't already done so, um, you'll be able to read, they'll be able to read that you yourself experienced this deprivation of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that now and what you and your family did then? Yes, I did this experience and therefore I speak uh, with knowledge, and with experience, personal. And this gives me the conviction that even this difficult time, which we are now witnessing, will bear fruits uh, for our faith, for our church, for the renewal of the church. So we have to accept this from the hands of God, but at the same time, as did the first Christians, the so-called apologetics, apologists, to be also uh, defenders of the rights of the Christians. We have in this time, and special, specifically, uh, it should do the Holy See 
and episcopates to protest when there is a discrimination on unreasonable, unproportional uh, prohibition of the worship. Uh, we have to protest and to make an ap apology to defend the rights of the Christians. Beautiful. One of the things that comes up in your book that some have talked to me about is your admonition to families to be open to life. You actually took issue with terms such as natural family planning and responsible parenthood because uh, they seem to sort of limit God's control and put man in control. Um, and a question that sort of developed out of that was, how can a couple then, if they have to, space their children? Is it wrong to abstain from sexual activity uh, when you sort of know through that natural family planning when those fertile periods are? What's your position on that? It is a very delicate issue. It is that the, the, uh, a Christian Catholic couple, uh, they have to together in the presence of God to decide, to ask the strength, the light, to be simply generous, to make this act of trust, say, oh Lord, you are the giver of life. You should have the last word, not we. We are only your collaborators. Of course, we are reasonable collaborators. But, but even though the beginning of a new life, the beginning of a new potential citizen of heaven, it is so tremendous, really tremendous. That let decide God. I think that it uh, this did all the generations in the past. I mean. Uh, there was not so much known these methods, even the natural planning method, it's not so known. The people accepted the children as they came, they trusted in God. And even so, and, and sometimes the last children, they were uh, a great gift for the church and for humanity. And so if these uh, parents would apply uh, consequently the natural um, method. Maybe these great saints and these genius would not be born. Maybe. And so it is a very delicate matter. So I think the couples have to trust God have to be very generous. And God will always reward the generosity of parents. He will never <clears throat> abandon a family, a, a couple uh, who, ac who accepted all children with much generosity. He will not abandon them. This is the loving providence of our Father in heaven. When he is vesting the lilies of the field, when he is feeding the birds in the sky, he will feed also the children of a large family. This he did and demonstrated so many times.
Well, because God wants to feed us with himself. How do the Catholics all over the world who are missing our Lord, how, and we want to be fed by our Lord, how do we call out most effectively to Jesus to come back to us? I think that those Catholics who are not deprived for Mass and Holy Communion, of Mass and of Holy Communion, they go to do acts of spiritual Holy Communion. This is also very fruitful spiritually. And uh, there are times where Catholic families during the persecution for some years were deprived of Holy Mass and Holy Communion, but the Lord lived in their heart. And so in these cases to, to start to live a more intense spiritual life, to do acts of examination of conscience, to try to practice virtues, to do acts of contrition. When there is no priest, you can do an act of contrition, a perfect loving contrition in view of the next confession. And, and the Lord forgives your sins. And asking the Lord to send a priest. And uh, God will provide as he did. Very impressive was the example of the Irish Catholics, for example, in the penal times, when there were also hidden masses, they were persecuted. And so, but so in this time, and then to go spiritually, go to churches, visit our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. At least there are some churches still open. So they can go, even when there is no Mass or, or prohibited public Mass, we can, in many places still, I think, at least go and visit our Lord in the Church and adore Him, to send our Holy Guardian Angel to represent us before the Lord, in the tab before the tabernacle, and adore for us. So there are, for example, some, some possibilities to practice our Catholic faith. Absolutely. And let me ask you, do you see in this unique uh, time, of, uh, time of upheaval, a tie-in to the warning of chastisement of Our Lady of Fatima? I don't know directly if this is a direct connection, but... <clears throat> This extent of the prohibition of mass, to such an extent, it is quite It is evidently already um, has a sign, an apocalyptic sign. We cannot deny this, to such an extent. And then, the Fatima the third secret of Fatima, the third part of the secret of Fatima speaks about the persecution of the church. And so, as I, as I said, this unproportionate and reasonable, against reason, prohibition of masses, which now the governments um, decided, and unfortunately also bishops, uh, this is already a kind of persecution of the church, of the mass, 
and uh, so it could have a, a tie, a link to the message of Fatima. I think yes, because um, the signs of the apocalypse of the end times they can come slowly, and so it could be already some beginning of the situation which our lady foretold described in the third part of the secret of Fatima, maybe. Archbishop Vigano has just come out to say that he doesn't believe that the full third secret of Fatima has been revealed. I think he's following on the take of Italian writer Antonio Sochi. Do you have any take on that? In my book, Christus Vincit, I spoke about this. I have no access to the fonts, to the sources, therefore I cannot say this. But I'm only reasoning out of my observation and of in some way of common sense. To my opinion, uh, in the presence of Pope John Paul II, Ratzinger, the future Pope Benedict XVI, he said, this is the third part of the secret of Fatima, and this is all. So, for me it's difficult to imagine that a person with such a moral high standard as Cardinal Ratzinger and John Paul II would um, deceive the entire world, saying this is all. This said also Cardinal Ratzinger, at, and we, we could this, hear this in when in Fatima it was revealed or published this part of the manuscript of Sister Lucy. But in the uh, biography of Sister Lucy, there is an, um, an observation where, when I'm recording well, there is written so that all lady told to Sister Lucy to reveal the secret, but not what she explained to her about this secret. So there could be the text of the secret was third part was revealed, it's all, but maybe there was another supplementary text with an explanation about this. I don't know. It could be. Finally, would you like to join Cardinal Burke, who in 2017, the centenary of Fatima, spoke at the Rome Life Forum calling for the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, of course, he didn't deny that Pope John Paul II did consecrate the whole world to the Immaculate Heart, but he asked that it be done again, and this time according to her, her explicit wishes. I'm agreeing because um, our lady she asked for the consecration of Russia. And why should the Pope know this? It bring a lot of blessings. Already she told 
that the Pope will do this. He will consecrate Russia to my Immaculate Heart, and then there would, will be given to the world time of peace, and Russia will be converted. So, we have not yet a time of peace, we see. Now, it's all other than a time of peace. And now, and Russia is not yet converted in the sense of a full conversion, a full conversion. But even the Russian uh, Christians, the Orthodox, would be united with the Israel Church, with the Sea of Rome. And so this is, has not yet happened. And therefore, I think that the consecration to Russia should be done in the way Our Lady asked for, explicitly naming Russia and in a moral unity with all the bishops. Bishop Schneider, thank you so very much for your time, and I would ask, as we conclude, if you could please give us all your blessing. Yes. Et cum spiritu tuo. Et benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Padris, et Fili, et Spiritus Sancti, descendat super vos, et maneat semper. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop Schneider, from all of us here at LifeSite News, and the countless Catholics around the world who love you and pray for you every day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Christus vincit. Christus vincit indeed. Alleluia. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time right here on the John Henry Weston Show. Hello, this is John Henry Weston. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the John Henry Weston Show YouTube channel if you haven't already done so. There you will find all the past episodes and much more. Thanks again for watching, and may God bless you.